Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Los Angeles-based jazz and classical composer, conductor, and recording artist, Vince Mendoza. We primarily caught up with him to discuss his latest 2021 CD, Freedom Over Everything, with the Czech National Symphony Orchestra. But we also discussed his life and music at the forefront of the jazz and contemporary music scene that he's been at for the last 30 years. Over the years, he has appeared on many critically acclaimed projects, including dozens of albums with songwriting legends and vocalists like Bjork, Gregory Porter, Shaka Khan, Elvis Costello, Bobby McFerrin, Diana Krall, Sting, and Joni Mitchell, and so many others. He's won six Grammy Awards and has had 34 nominations to complement his body of work. Enjoy the story. Joe Domino, Neon Jazz Radio in Kansas City. Joe, how are you doing today? What's up, man? How are you holding? Well, pretty good. I'm, uh, I got the pencil moving today, fortunately. Oh, that's good. Had a hold up last couple of days, a little, some hurdles and potholes. <laughs> that's, the, that's the theme of 2020, isn't it? <laughs> sure is. Alive. Yeah, I was trying to, trying to. I mean, you know, the writing is the, the thing that I, the only thing that I have been able to do over the the last year. But um, the, the the hurdles and the the challenges are always there. Yeah, for sure. Well, man, I'm glad that we got in touch. I'm glad that uh, you're taking a minute out. So I appreciate it. Thank you for thank you for your interest. First of all. I, I want to touch first, I guess, first and foremost, because we've already touched on it. It's right in front of our face. You're releasing a CD during a global pandemic. How does it feel to kind of have new material come out and kind of as the evolution of this pandemic has happened, how do you feel that it's coming out now? I mean, it's from the, the, the logistical elements of it. You know, it takes a long time to make a record, uh, especially with a, a record of this magnitude with so many soloists, orchestra, scheduling, and the studios, and and then, you know, dropped in into the middle of it is, is our inability to actually be together to to record a lot of the times. So we're talking about the span of a couple of years that it took to, to do this record, but, um, you know, we can't, ignore the fact that we're we're being affected by what's going on in the world and it's affecting the music it, it did affect the trajectory of the of the um, record musically as well as logistically but the, just the musical tone of it uh, changed quite a bit over the course of the year and I think that's a a good example of how the music that that we make is really reflecting of the of the times and personally, you know how your career is uh, is going, the kind of decisions that you're making about music, and and um, what types of, of of sounds and forms and people that you're choosing to work with. Um, it all changes. So I think that this record is a, a good example of of the changes that were made over the last couple of years and what we came up with. I, I thought was beautiful. You know, the one thing that, that, you know, looking at the cover of this and thinking about what you just said, you know, one of the other fertile grounds of, of creativity I think about is the 60s, and this cover just has this whole, like, notion of, like, struggle and recovery and so many things. I mean, when you start draping the American flag over imagery and just with the, just the way this looks, it just has a good feeling to it, the music. It all just seems like it came together. Do you get the feeling that a lot of moving pieces – came together in a synchronous kind of fashion? Um, I think that they did. I think that, you know, uh, it's, it, it takes a, 
uh, a lot of flexibility to work in these times. First of all, you know, you can't uh, when you're when you're not able to to get people in the same room uh, to record. Then then uh, you have to be flexible about how things are are working, and just being able to get a hold of people and and schedule things and, and work in different studios and and all of that. That's a that was a monumental challenge. Um, but again, you know, the musical aspect of of how it shaped what we were thinking and, and how it manifested itself in the music is, I, I think, a really interesting aspect of of the way records uh, are made. That you know, we're, we're thinking a certain way, we're being affected by our environment, by our community, by our friends, and it's reflecting the music. So we can't possibly have a recording that that uh, is outside of that circle. So you've obviously been on a long, decade, decades-long musical journey. How did all of this begin? How did the kind of the seeds sprinkle in you that made you so interested in not only becoming a musician, but jazz and, and all, all of this that you've become? Well, I, I grew up listening to the radio, and that's, that was really where the light went on for me, you know, listening to that music that was in particular being created in Philadelphia in the early part of the 70s, the Philly sound, um, uh, Tom Bell and uh, the uh, you know, Spinners and the OJs. And that uh, music for me uh, not only made the light go on that I wanted to do it in my life, but it also showed me the possibilities of color. Uh, you know, the, uh, Tom Bell was using in those days a lot of orchestral instruments in the studios. You hear a lot of glockenspiel and French horns and the stylistics recordings. Uh, and I wanted to be a part of that from a very early age. You know, I felt that, man, I wanted, I wanted to be in the studio with those musicians. And, and this is the way that I want my music to sound like. And, and I still think that those sonorities that you hear at the very beginning when the light goes on are the things that you carry in your in your memory that you know this is the way I want a record to sound and and uh, when you finally go into the studio and make it happen, um, those are the memories that you draw upon. What was the first concert that you ever saw that really made you think this is what I want to do this is the thing I can imagine. You know, I mean, to be honest, when I when when I was a a young boy, we didn't really go to a lot of concerts. <laughs> it was only <laughs> when, when I was was older and taking trumpet lessons and and starting to go into New York and and that that was a whole thing that that I just didn't even think that that could exist. And so my my world existed on recordings. And my imagination about what what a group of musicians would sound like based on what I heard on a on a record. But then we started going into into New York City and seeing the Philharmonic at Avery Fisher Hall and the uh, of course the jazz festivals um, every year. And um, you know you discover that the clubs in New York, of course, it's a completely different um, sonic palette. Uh, going on in a smaller club versus in a concert hall, um, but the, the concerts that that I've gone to, you know, I would have to say that you know symphonic concerts, first of all, were the ones that that made me think, wow, you know, 
there could be a hundred people on stage, and this is what it would sound like. Um, and and these are the possibilities. And uh, you know, the possibilities are are what it's about as a as a young artist thinking about what your life could be like and what your music will be like. Speaking of, was it always music? Did you always think I'm going to be a musician, or did you have other dreams? I was thinking about music since I was five, even before you know, just making making up songs and and playing instruments. I I studied guitar with my uncle uh, in in our hometown, and then I started playing the trumpet and and started playing in orchestras and and jazz bands and whatever. And it it, it never occurred to me that I would do anything else except maybe for a, a short time I thought maybe I could be a chemistry teacher but then I took chemistry so that was <laughs> that, that took out the the possibility after I took chemistry and realized how hard it was um, I was always interested in, in music and and also the the technology electronics and and you know I loved the aspect of working in the studio and and the gear and the, the speakers and the consoles and the you know all of that part of it it's still exciting to me when I go into a recording studio now when you started out your career was it was it was it pretty rough I mean did it take a while for you to get traction you've obviously been very celebrated over your career was it was it a rough go or did it just seem like things progressively moved in a momentous way you know I've been very lucky over the years to have met people that have helped me along the way uh, to to do what I loved, and um, you know, aside from that, as, as a composer, a freelance composer, you're constantly trying to create situations that you'd be able to step into to 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 write music and conduct. And uh, so, when I was in college at Ohio State in Columbus, uh, that community of musicians was was always very open to to invitation to play to get together and uh, started working in the studios there working on industrial films and jingles so I got some experience working in the studios uh, creating scores before I came to LA so by the time I got here I sort of knew what what I was doing uh, so when I got called to do things it was you know I could step into that situation uh, but our Experience as a musician really has to do with our community and the people that support you and give you opportunities to to work with them to express yourself and and yeah, it was hard when when you first start because you're knocking on doors and people don't know who you are and a lot of people still don't know who I am <laughs> so you're still knocking on doors if if you want to to step into another environment you know you're you're always kind of searching for new groups of people to work with. And, um, yeah, it gets easier, but uh, it was definitely a challenge in those days to get your face out there and get your music heard and, and get the opportunity to write more. And that's a, that's a challenge for all young musicians, even now. So after three-plus decades of doing this and the trends that you've seen and the things that have happened, what how do you... See the world of jazz and just musicians emerging stronger as the world wakes up and we head into a new era. I mean, there's been so many things that have changed the way we live our lives in music. How do you see us emerging stronger? The thing that's helped me with this 
point of view is the uh, activity of teaching, and, and in particular, making connections with, I guess, what we can call who we can call the our ancestors of, of jazz. You know, the, the great masters that influenced us, and the people that worked with them, and the music that they made, and you know, going back and listening to to so many amazing records of jazz musicians that came before us and you could you know I could go the rest of my life and never write a note of new music and and hear so many records of of amazing stuff that was recorded over the decades and and realize that there's a community of musicians that that influenced each other and when you read your you know, biographies of, of Ellington and Miles and and Dizzy and and Bird and, and and Monk and those musicians that that were part of the scene. There were so many musicians around them in the scene that were all making recordings. And so, when it comes time for us to make new music, um, it, we, you know, we're inspired by the fact that we too have a community around us of musicians that are creating music that could be part of your scene. And so I'm I'm encouraged by that, you know, when I when I look at the you know, young musicians out there that that are playing together and creating music together and they're creating their own scene. And that has been a, a big part of, of how jazz has existed. It's because there was a group of people that that played together, that influenced each other, that challenged each other. And that part of that community is, you know, life's blood of jazz. That's why it exists. It's not not because of the of subsidy. It's because of the love of community. And yeah, we're 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 all struggling now because of the uh, the the economy of you know, first of all, being shut down for the last year, but but now that we're starting to peek our head out of the cave uh, to get some kind of a rhythm back and get some kind of economy going. But the thing that keeps us going is the, the love of the art and the community and the drive to make it better and to make more connections and, and, and the the recordings that we hear, the history of this music, which is us that that it's a it's a community event, and uh, and we're nothing without the people around us. So after all of these years, you won six Grammys, thirty four nominations. You've won a lot of awards, and I don't want to know what was your favorite award, but what I would like to know is what award surprised you the most? What kind of hit you, and you thought, "Wow, I didn't see that coming." Uh, all of them. To be honest, you know, I don't. I, every time I'm recognized for for the work that I do, I'm, I'm very surprised and and delighted. Um, and you know, the Grammys are, you know, if I'm lucky enough to get a nomination, then I'm I'm always very happy and surprised about it. So I, I couldn't. I don't think I could say any one in particular. I mean, I could say that the first one. <laughs> you know, because it's it's so difficult to win these things, and um, it's even more difficult now than it used to be. So, uh, you know, to the extent that I, I get recognition for my work, I'm, I'm always very pleasantly surprised. 
So if you had a dream tonight and you run into your younger self, like when you were getting ready to go professional, and you could give your younger self one piece of advice from what you learned over the years, what would it be? Uh, have more fun. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> enjoy the ride. That's that's the the thing, you know, and and meet more people. Uh, I think that I was, I still am a very shy person, and I don't. It takes a lot for me to to walk up to somebody to talk to them or to pick up the phone or you know it's it's just really a, uh, difficult for me to do that. Uh, and as a professional musician, you sort of force yourself to to get into that mode. But if you could get to the point where you enjoy that process, the process of talking to people and meeting them and working under stressful circumstances, but still seeing that the uh, you know community aspect of of what we do, the the greatest musicians that I've worked with are the ones that uh, enjoy what they're doing and and relate to everyone else in, in a in a very friendly manner and and you know make connections along the way and you know the the musicians that you love to work with are the ones that walk into the studio and you know everything is going to be okay because you're there and um so if i told my younger self to enjoy the ride as you're working and um you know, have more fun and, and meet more people. And, um, you know, I tell my students that now, you know, because our, our success is really dependent on the people that we meet and and um, how they see you fitting into their world and, and, um, and how great they feel when they see you walking in the door. And um, so that's... You know what I try to do every day is you know, when I when I walk into a project, you know that that um, the orchestra is comfortable, the soloist is comfortable, and we make our best music that way. So every day you wake up as a creator, what do you look forward to the most? What's the greatest part about being a professional musician? I like stepping up on the podium when the the music is done, and and all of the questions have stopped being asked and the the decisions were made and the the notes are put on the page and the score is sent out and you you finally hear what it is that that you were thinking for the last sometimes year come to life then that's really the that's the payoff for everything for me you know when when I'm on the podium and I see it all I hear it all coming to life, then you know that's the great part. The I'm not the kind of writer that enjoys the process of sitting and ruminating and and you know the trial and error and the and the you know, writer's block and the you know trying to get get to a place where you feel comfortable with what you wrote. But I don't I don't enjoy that process. I enjoy the the result. The uh, you know hearing it come out and sharing the music with other musicians and and um, seeing what they can do with it um, that's the that's the best part of being a musician and, and that's I think the probably the reason why I stopped playing the trumpet because I wanted to to be a part of a larger uh, sphere you know I wanted to to hear all the instruments and write for all instruments 
and hear it coming out in the studio. So when we do actually get back to live music in somewhat more of an earnest way and things start picking up, what do you hope we all realize about the power of live music that we've missed so much over this last year? I was thinking about this uh, recently, and, and, I, and I've been telling my friends, you know, I, I really gravely underestimated, well, not gravely is the word, I, I really underestimated the power of the uh, experience of being with other human beings um, in an audience or being on the stage with a group of human beings sharing music with an audience. Uh, as a, a writer, you know, I'm sitting in my room all day long and you know you send out the score and you start on the next one and, and in that way my my pattern hasn't changed all that much over the last year but the thing that has changed that was very profound is that we haven't been able to share this music with other people and be in an audience and whether it's at a, 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 a large jazz festival or or music festival with with 10,000 people or or it's a jazz club with 20 you know hopefully more than 20 but sometimes it's yeah. 20 and sometimes it's 10 but that experience of sharing music with other people um is so profound and and it really leads us to realize our our humanity our common bond and and that's that's a really big lesson uh, for me, and and why I will continue to seek opportunities to not only to play music, but to go to hear music, to hear my contemporaries, or to go and hear somebody that I haven't heard before, or somebody who's just trying something out, you know, just getting started. You know, that's 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 an exciting time of a person's career, and and it's really fun to watch that. Uh, so. I think just seeing and missing that humanity of, of uh, live music uh, makes me want to seek it more. And, and I think that a lot of people are thinking that in the next year it's going to be, um, you know, we're going to be flooding the concerts. You know, to, to the extent they're having any concerts now, my wife and I were going to go see a friend playing the other day and, and it was sold out and you can't get in. So... You know, I think that this is going to be uh, what's happening in the future. That that uh, people are, are are aching to to feel that humanity and to hear some music. So let's uh, say your time machine pulls up in front of your house, and you can go back in time and see any show anywhere. Where are you going to go? Who are you going to see? And maybe who would you want to talk to? I, I think that I would want to go. There, there's a couple of spots. I, you know, I really would would have liked to have heard the first gig of the Vanguard Orchestra, of the Thad, Thad Jones Mel Lewis Orchestra at the Vanguard. I, I would have liked to have heard that first gig and yeah. see that band. I mean, you know, I, I still love that band and its, its present instrumentation, or personnel, I should say. Uh, it still has a vibe. You know, it still has a very unique sound to it. The phrasing, the... the 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 sound that the, the fabric of that of that band has a certain unique quality to it. So I, I would have wanted to see that first that first gig because it was really born of of love and interest 
and the music and being together, you know. Uh, and you, know, you want to be you want to be in the room to hear that conversations. Duke Ellington for sure, but also be a Billy Strayhorn because I, I would have wanted to talk to him about his music and and how he thinks about it and 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 talking about the scene again, you know, who they were hanging with, who they were playing with, and what it was like. It's such an interesting part of the history of, of music those days with Strayhorn and Ellington. Um, I would have loved to have, to have heard those stories firsthand. The stories are the best parts that with the yeah. with the old guard, right? The the uh, jazz musicians out there that that are our elders. You know, for the young players out there, get those stories. So everyone, actually, let me ask you. I got a few more questions, and I want to know why do you love jazz? Well, I'm going back and, and thinking about about um, when I first heard it. Um, you know, I I played uh, when I played the guitar as a as a young person. Um, I I learned a lot of the standard tunes um, from my mother, who was a piano player, and, and we used to get together on Friday nights and kind of make believe it was a gig and go through the the. Uh, the, uh, the fake books, you know, to, to learn the tunes and and uh, you know passing solos back and forth, and but you know I didn't really make the connection to jazz because I wasn't as a as a young boy wasn't listening to, to a lot of jazz, but then as I became uh, older and you know picked up the trumpet and as a teenager, uh, and maybe this had to do with being a teenager too, this having having uh, the uh, Miles Davis four and more records thrown at me by my trumpet teacher, uh, that changed everything because it was dangerous. It was, you know, it was rebellious. This trumpet player was not playing like the other trumpet players that I've heard, you know, it's, and that, that the drummer is not doing what I thought that the drummer usually did. And the, and they're playing really fast, and sometimes they're not playing anything at all. You know, I mean, there's a certain amount of of dangers, like Wayne Shorter says about jazz. You know, jazz means I dare you. That's really, I think, the thing that that attracted me to it was that it was like nothing I heard before, and the the perspective of how to play time or what a solo should sound like, um, and the the greatest jazz musicians are the ones uh, that create that mystery, that essence of you know what's going to happen next. And yeah, I did it that way yesterday, but it's going to change. And the the older I get, the more that I realize that that's really at the essence of, of what this music is about. It's that I dare you feeling. You know, it's something dangerous about that. You know, just, you know, I'm going to do it differently today than I did yesterday. How about that? And uh, and I'm intrigued by that aspect of the music. I think that's the, the center of, of what I love about it. So everyone has a perception of you, an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your fans, but ultimately you're the one living and leading your life. Who do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not. Uh, 
I don't think I'm any different than I was when I was five. I just I'm hopefully a little bit more responsible. But I'm a a pretty shy person. But um, I like to be. I like to make people laugh, and uh, and the the music that I write, um, I I want to be. You know, I, I tend to to feel the most moved by my music that's lyrical and and I've always felt that and it's it's part of who I am I, I think as a person that you know wants to uh, evoke a certain emotion um, but otherwise I'm I'm a, I'm a pretty shy person and, and I always was and uh, I think people that that know me see that aspect of it no, it is. It is, and that's kind of an open canvas for that one there. So, no, that was absolutely perfect. Vince, thank you for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. Good luck with the album and return to the stage. Well, I really appreciate your interest, Joe. Great to meet you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in Los Angeles, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Vince for his time, music, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.